Good morning, everybody. My name is Corey Rosen, and you are listening to The Story Podcast. Today, I have on with me a super awesome guest for the start of season two, Miss <laughs> this is Katie Miller. Good morning. As the oldest grandchild of Sight & Sound's founders, Katie first stepped onto stage when she was four years old, making her the first member of the family's third generation to be a part of the ministry. Throughout her 30-year tenure, Katie has served in various capacities within the company, including human resources, marketing, and business development. Now, as marketing, or as director of marketing and communications, Katie is a member of the brand development team, bringing alignment to each of the brand's extensions through marketing, advertising, public relations, and corporate communication. She also serves as the primary spokesperson for the company, including on-camera host for Sight & Sound TV's live broadcast events. Katie continues to connect Sight & Sound's past to its future, introducing audience members from around the world to the Sight & Sound story. Katie and her husband Brian reside in Lancaster and are raising their three children, now fourth generation, family members acting on the Sight & Sound stage. Katie, how are you doing today? Very well. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm really excited to get into all the things we have to talk about. First off is the history of Sight & Sound. Where yes. did it all start? It's <laughs> a great question. Um, so my grandparents founded Sight & Sound nearly uh, 50 years ago. We're not quite at 50, but almost. And they grew up right here in Lancaster County. Both of them grew up on farms. Uh, my grandfather wanted to be a dairy farmer for his whole life. And then um, through a set of very tragic circumstances, mm. um, his mother passed away somewhat unexpectedly. And one day his dad came home and said, um, I don't want to do this without your mom. And so I have, um, I sold the family farm. And so he had to found himself young, ready to get married, and without a vocation. And so he began relying on creativity to make ends meet. And um, through a course of, you know, over several years, he was doing photography, he was painting, he was peddling paintings out of the back of his car. And one night, his, um, his uh, pastor asked him if they would do, um, perform a slideshow of his photography. So this was in the 1960s, and multimedia was becoming more of a thing. And um, so they did, and the rest, we always say, like, the rest was history. From right. there, they took the show on the road, and for nearly a decade, um, they actually traveled throughout the country doing slideshows until they started um, having children, and they really were ready to just settle down. And one year, um, they asked themselves the question, do you think people would ever come to us? And a fun little piece of history is actually the very first thing they did was they rented the Lancaster Bible College Auditorium for a whole summer. Oh, wow. And ran their slideshows for three months straight. And that um, that initiative provided enough seed money to purchase our first plot of land and build our very first theater. So Lancaster Bible College has a really cool part of our history. That's really awesome. Yeah. So from there, we grew. Um, they started adding... Um, you know, live actors to the to the slideshows and music and live animals and all the things that we're known for now, and that eventually uh, helped us grow. We built our where we're at currently in Lancaster here in Pennsylvania. Eventually expanded into Branson, Missouri, and have done a lot of things since then too. Oh, absolutely. So tell me, where where do you come in in all of this? Where where is your start with Sight and Sound? My start with Sight and Sound was um, in the mid '80s. Uh, we were down at Living Waters, our very first theater. And I, you know, I always say, like, I was basically born on the stage one way or another. We, I, my mom came into work a couple of days after I was born, and they had a nursery set up in the dressing rooms. They had a second nursery set up in the box office. And um, it was truly a family affair. And I started um, performing on the stage when I was um, between three and four years old. And 
I did that until my mid-teens, and I kind of hit a point of going, like, I don't know that I like being mm. on the stage very much. And so I kind of walked away from the stage. I did lots of other things throughout the years, everything from um, working in our box office with our animals outside in facilities, human resources, and um, it's been quite a journey now kind of coming full circle back to being, um, you know, I'm a part of the brand development team and in charge of um, helping to lead our marketing efforts and all those types of things. Um, and throughout the last couple of years, I found myself back, not necessarily on stage, but at least um, fulfilling the role of spokesperson for this season, which is very fun and kind of like life coming full circle again. <laughs> so also Science Sound, at least at Lancaster location, has had many changes over the years. Um, mm -hmm. The Living Waters mm -hmm. and then rebuilding. Yeah. Tell me about that. What that process was like for... Yeah. So we, um, when we were at Living Waters, we were there for... Um, over almost 50 well yeah just over 15 years and truthfully like capacity was starting to outpace um what we were able to have in the theater so we were having more people than we could actually hold and it was a good problem to have right. and so uh, we expanded to where our current location is in the early 90s and we were on in that theater it was about a 1400 seat theater um for about six years and in 1997 um, on a day where we didn't have shows, there was some work being done on the stage and some sparks fell down through the stage into the basement where uh, we had a storage area of set pieces and they caught on fire from the, star mm -hmm. the sparks. And um, we lost everything that day. We lost the entire theater, almost all of our set pieces. And it was um, devastating to say the least. I was yeah. 13 years <laughs> right. old. Yeah, <laughs> I was 13 years old at the time. And I just remember thinking like, wow, life as I know it is probably over. Like, I don't know. You know, we weren't we genuinely weren't sure if we'd be able to come back. And my grandparents had uh, three days after the fire, what they call the kitchen table conversation. We still mm -hmm. reference it that way. They were sitting at the kitchen table and my grandfather looked at my grandmother and said, um, you know, do you really want to come back? We're in our 50s like this. We worked really hard. Is this just where we, you know, call it, call it what it is and be done? And they said they sit there. They sat there for a moment. And my grandma finally said, um, I don't know if I could ever live with myself another day if we didn't come back. Like this is not just the job we do. It's the calling on our lives. And so um, they entrusted it to the Lord. It's like a miraculous story in and of itself because we didn't get insurance money from mm -hmm. the fire. Um, and there were some people in the community that came around and said, hey, we're going to help you guys rebuild. We're going to figure this out. And multiple um, financing groups came together. Some private investors came together to help us rebuild, which was just um, something we'll be forever grateful for. And, um, yeah, we were able to actually reopen 18 months after the fire, which in and of itself <gasps> is, ridiculous. yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> like, we always say that even now. It's like, how did that even happen? That's so ridiculous. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, you know, a, a definite point of God's faithfulness in our story, uh, for sure. That's, like, building an all or 18 months or? Yeah, building and everything. Build, building <sighs> the build. We redesigned the building, built a totally different building. Uh, rebuilt all of the set pieces that we needed to have built for that show, rehearsed and opened. So the fire happened at the end of January of 97, and we opened in September of 1998. That is Yeah, it's insane. kind of astounding. <laughs> yeah, that is. When we say that Lancaster has a heart for the arts. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And the community was amazing. Like, that's part of, you know, being in Lancaster and everybody, you know, I don't think until the fire happened, I do not think that we recognized the part we played in just not just the tourism industry in Lancaster, but the industry just, you know, oh. as a whole, the economy as a whole. Yeah. 
And how many people kind of came out of the woodwork going, what can we do to help? Because if Sight and Sound's not up and running, we're not up and running. And right. we need we need you guys. It was like, it was a very humbling um, experience to just have the community as a whole just kind of all gather together and um, and really support us in a really cool way through that time. So, so from there, mm-hmm. where do you guys go? Or do you guys... At that point, I don't imagine you guys would be doing uh, the big shows that you have now, like Ruth or whatever. Right. Yeah. So in 1998, we the only big epic Bible story we had ever done was Noah. So we mm. opened Noah in that other theater. It was called the Entertainment Center. And that was truly the moment where we started to go, oh, there's something to this. Like, no one else is doing really big epic Bible stories on stage. And I think that maybe that's what we're called to do. And so... um Noah, we closed, uh, well, when the fire happened, we reopened the new theater with Noah, and that ran for several years, and then um, began producing larger Bible stories after that. So yes, Ruth, which performed here at Lancaster Bible College a couple years ago, um, but Ruth, and um, we did Daniel and Joseph, and in the beginning, and all sorts of other shows that really kind of helped us get from where we were to where we are today with the shows that you know that are, you know, big and huge and epic, like Queen Esther and Jesus yes. and all of these other ones, yeah. <laughs> That's another fun little tidbit of history that uh, LBC was the first ever organization mm-hmm. outside of Sight and Sound to perform a Sight and Sound production. Yes, it's very true. It was our first, uh, you guys were, I'll say, our guinea pigs. Yes. Um, but truly, you were, because it's a conversation we've been having about, you know, do we want to eventually be able to license these shows um, for other performances, like schools and colleges and churches and things like that. And Lancaster Bible College was the first time we tried it, and it was an awesome experience. So everything kind of got put on hold because of COVID. You guys performed it right before right we went before. into COVID. Um, but it's definitely a conversation that we're interested in continuing to pursue in the future. That's awesome. Yeah, because I was, I was a part of that. I was part of the stage crew for that. Because oh, I was nice. like, this is a moment that I want to be a part of. Yeah, it was very fun. It was very fun to fun. come and watch. It was actually a really surreal feeling to come and watch and like just yeah, be so familiar with the script and the songs and all of those things, but have it performed in such a different and unique way. It was beautiful. It was really cool. Thank you. Um, so back to science, back to science sound. That new uh, theater you built had a really big stage. <laughs> it did and still does. So we are we have a three hundred foot wraparound stage. There's two thousand seats in the theater. Um, if you've never been to a sight and sound show, we're known for. Um, bringing Bible stories to life in an epic way. And so we have a cast of 50 professional actors. We have sets that are 30 to 40 feet high. We have a one of the largest LED screens in the entire world mm-hmm. that flies in and out like a backdrop. We have live animals that run up and down the aisles. And the hope and the heart is truly that um, the audiences that come sit in the heart of the story as it unfolds all around them, and they get to experience the Bible in a very different and unique way. Absolutely. You can sit in in the front part of the theater, and you can look to your left and see, oh, there's still stage, and you can look to the right, and oh, there's still stage. Yep. And it's always, or most of the time, it's mostly in use, all yeah. of it. Yes. You can look around, the, the main characters will be on the stage, and there'll be side characters doing their, their you know, their whatever's on the other side, and you just watch and really live in the moment. Yeah. That's the hope. You know, it's it's one thing I think there's so many different ways um, to engage with the Bible. There's obviously reading it um, on its own. There's um, shows and movies that are out there. There's Bible story books. There's podcasts. There's so many different mm-hmm. ways. And the way we get to be a part of the body of Christ is to really hopefully transport audiences back in time. And in a way that, you know, we do things in a really big way, yes. But we never want to do big things just for the sake of doing big things. We truly always 
um, want the story and the message to be the thing that shines brightest. And I think our teams do a pretty good job of working towards that end. So with that in mind, how do you guys decide what is a Bible story worth putting onto stage? Because you mentioned Noah. Mm -hmm. Noah's a relatively short story. Right. (laughs) It's true. Yeah. So um, choosing the next Bible story is always, it's actually one of my favorite things that we ever do. And it is not not a thing that is taken lightly. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of prayer that goes into it. There is a lot of um, multiple different teams coming together, um, both from our like leadership development and uh, leadership team side. And then also um, our story team, which is our directors, writers, and producers. And a lot of times it's just a really honest conversation with them about, you know, what do you guys feel like the Lord is putting on your heart? What do you have excitement? What stories are rising to the top um, for you to tell? And it's really been such a cool, so like Queen Esther um, specifically, you know, it takes, and we can get into this then again later, but it takes almost four years to produce a show. So we're choosing a show um, you know, four years before it's going to premiere and often not know, we have no idea what's going to be happening in the world around us when that show premieres. And so mm. for Queen Esther specifically, it was probably one of the strongest times for us of going, oh my goodness, like the Lord truly is and does continue to lead us in what we are called to do. Cause that story, um, premiered in the middle of COVID well, actually right before COVID hit. And it was a story of, you know, a woman being taken from her family, being isolated alone in a palace, um, a ton of civil unrest as things were unfolding. And knowing that in the middle of all of the unrest, in the middle of all of the isolation, that she was called for such a time as this. Mm -hmm. And that story being the story that we were called to tell in the middle of, you know, the world being isolated and the world being pulled away from their families and the world and, and so much civic unrest both in our country but the world at large you know we could not have planned that right, <laughs> we exactly, yeah. to. and it was just um such a reflection to us and a testimony of yeah the lord leading and guiding the process and and how much he is faithful when you really do surrender your your plans to him it was incredible um because over here in Lancaster Bible College, that that day where everything shut down, I think it was like March thirteenth. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that was the day we were supposed to go to Ireland. Okay. And uh, do our, a tour around there, uh-huh. but everything just you know shut down and got canceled. Right. So we got the chance to see Esther, mm-hmm. uh, a rehearsal of it. Oh, that's right. Yes, yeah, so a whole group of you came. Yeah, <laughs> were so you there? Was, was oh, there, that's yeah. great. Yeah. Yes. And what what a amazing show to really uh, highlight. Mm-hmm. We are here for such a time as this. God is preparing us for such a time as this. Yeah. And uh, what what a time COVID was. Yeah, it was. It was the time. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but it was something. It was, it was a moment in history that happened. So after Queen Esther, you have you got Jesus coming mm-hmm. up. Yep. What was it like to build such a gigantic story, probably one of the penultimate characters of, of the entire Bible? Yeah. And putting that to stage accurately without uh with some artistic interpretation sure etc etc how do you do that in a faithful way yeah we you know we don't shy away ever from saying that we are an entertainment company so Mm. we're very clear to say we're not a museum we are not a historical act like we are we want to be accurate but we are not trying to necessarily prove facts. That's not the thing that we are called to do. There's amazing ministries out there that do that. Mm -hmm. What we want to do is move people through the power of story. And so um, whenever we're producing a show, whether it's David, Queen Esther, Jesus, any of these shows that we, um, our teams work together at, 
the hope is that we are able to include as much actual scripture and actual, you know, events that unfolded in the Bible as accurately as what we possibly can. And as we know, um, the Bible, there's big gaps sometimes in the stories. There's things that are left up to interpretation. And so we do our best to um, create um, circumstances, characters that uphold the spirit and the heart of the story um, without actually detracting from the facts that are there. And so when we have to fill in spaces, you know, we often say it is a creative portrayal of an actual factual occurrence. And so we do absolutely take creative license. But the hope in the heart is that the spirit of the story, the spirit of the message that is, you know, the point of why that story exists in the first place, that we never detract from that. Um, And so hopefully we do a decent job. I'm not saying we always get it right, but that would be the hope and the heart and the intent. Yeah. And I must say to fit three years of Jesus's ministry. Uh, and if you want to plus count the 30 other years that, yeah. <laughs> that uh, precede that, um, it's a, it's a large task. Mm-hmm. And I must say that, uh, watching, cause I watched it on a uh, live stream when it went out mm-hmm. on live stream mm-hmm. and it was one of the most touching, uh, experiences I've had with, with anything Bible related. Yeah. And I think that that's, um, you know, we, whenever our story team, our directors and writers set out to produce a new show the first thing that they do is a ton of research. I mean, they are not just reading scriptures, but listening to podcasts and talking to um, other experts. And, you know, one of the first things that they do is just seek the Lord on what theme is rising to the top. So for Jesus specifically, um, it didn't take very long for um, the theme of rescue to rise to the top. And so that became the thread that tied the way that we told the story together. And so any of Jesus's miracles. And yes, they're all, they're all rescue, of course, but like any of the story elements that kind of tied to that thread were the ones that we chose to highlight. And I would say the same is true for David. So um, Mm -hmm. when our team first set out to produce David, it very quickly, they said, you know, this, this is the story about slaying giants, you know, like the battle belongs to the Lord. That's the theme of this show. And while that still isn't under, it's like a secondary theme, what actually totally blew our minds um, as our team dove in was that what the theme that actually rose to the top was communion and worship and with 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 God. And so as we started writing David, um, it became very apparent very quickly that, yes, there were battles to be slayed. Yes, the battle belongs to the Lord. But for those things to happen, you have to actually take a step before that and have the relationship in the first place. And so now... David unfolds in this really beautiful way and truly becomes um, the story about a man who has surrendered his life to his shepherd. And even when he messes up, even when he makes mistakes, that is the anchor that he always comes back to. And that's how he slays giants. That's how he becomes king. All, All of David's amazing life, all the Psalms, all of it that we're so familiar with stem from that place. And so, um, yeah, so all that to say, like, that's a big part of then how we choose to tell the stories and what pieces we pull out. And so, you know, when we decided David is was a harder show to tackle, actually, than Jesus, simply because there's so much about David. We almost had the opposite so, problem. Yeah. You have Noah, who is like five chapters in the Bible, and you got to like fill some stuff in. And then you have David, who's like, there's books and books and books and Psalms, and it yeah, just never saying. ends. And so when they were choosing which pieces to pull, it was the pieces that they pulled to share in this show were all about anything that David was coming back to the Lord as his good shepherd. And that was the, that was the theme that kind of guided the choices. 
So with David being a shepherd, obviously you have to deal with a lot of sheep. We have so many sheep in this show. <laughs> yes, all of our all of our shows have live animals, but David specifically, um, there's 27 sheep in every show, and we have 14 understudies for the days that some sheep are, you know, not feeling their best or have a vet appointment or whatever. You know, they're 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 our actors too, so they have understudies for their off days. <laughs> so here's a question: What um, we we mentioned that you started it really early on. Mm-hmm. Why and how? <laughs> With the animals? Yes. Um, so well my I think it goes back to my specifically to my grandfather's farm roots. Like he loves he still has animals mm. today. Like he lives right here in Lancaster and lives on a farm and although it's not a fully working farm, um he has chickens and cows and all sorts of things. He just loves animals. And I think I could be wrong about this i'm pausing a second but i think the very first animal we maybe had in the show was um a portrayal of um of jesus's story a smaller one years and years ago and and then he wanted jesus to walk in ride in on a donkey okay. yeah and so i think that might have been our very first animal that we ever added into the show now i'm like going back in my mind I'm like were there other ones before <laughs> that um and it just sort of um it just sort of grew from there and so it's been just, um, it's been quite a journey. Yes, yeah, yeah, starting, we used to have one donkey in the show, and that was about it. And then it just, um, and then we had two donkeys. Yeah. And then it's just, you know, you get to Noah, and all of a sudden, but like Noah really was the where it shifted from having maybe a donkey or two or a pony or a horse. Like I know some of our Christmas shows back in the day had um, a sleigh ride and a horse mm. would come in. So there was like some smaller things like that. But when we got to Noah, that is when it truly like, the animal piece for us to. you kind of have to and like the thing is like it, it there's very few bible stories that don't include animals so once mm. we made that shift to being fully you know about bible stories and not review style shows like our early years um i think that's when things started to change pretty quickly on the animal scene and now uh, we typically have about 100 animals at each of our locations yeah and i was gonna say uh under queen esther when an elephant came out onto the stage i was really I had to look closely. I was like, is that a real elephant? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we actually, like, this is so funny because we care so well for animals. Like, they are truly a part of our Sight and Sound family. And when we first premiered Esther and people, there was photos and some people that came to the show, we actually got some concerned letters saying, you know, it's not really great to have elephants in captivity in that way. They're not meant to. And we were like, oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) He's rubber. It's fine. It's it's a fully electronic. I was, was, like, really concerned for a second. I was like, not that the fact... Yeah, uh, that reason. But I was like, how they get an elephant into yeah. this? <laughs> how <laughs> yeah. are they allowed to do that? <laughs> right. No, we're not. So no elephants, no real ones anyway. But it's just, yeah, reflection of the artistry of our team. They do an awesome job. Well, clearly, fool me, <laughs> um, and fool a lot of other people too. Yeah. What are some of the craziest animals that you have had? So most of our most of the time we have like what I call like our core animal cast, yeah. which is like our horses and camels and llamas and donkeys and. Uh, sheep and goats and dogs and birds. Those are like the, almost every show has those animals. And then it depends on um, what the show is calling for. So we used to have a water buffalo. Um, his name was Ferdinand. He was a little bit grumpy. So we don't, we ended up rehoming him because he just he got a little cranky on stage. He didn't, he didn't really like his moment in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we've had, um, we had, one of my, actually the more fun ones was when we had Samson on stage we got these adorable little Pomsky dogs to be the foxes. And they looked like foxes. They were just the cutest things. And um, they were some of the more fun ones that we've had, too. But nothing too crazy or exotic because we always want to be safe and we want right. to be able to, um, yeah, 
be able to have the animals themselves having a really good time as well. Yeah. What are some examples of, because uh, there is a lot of things that can go wrong when <laughs> animals are on stage. I remember uh, watching the dog, I think, and Esther fall off the stage a few times. <laughs> or they miss yeah. or yeah. whatever. Right. Or when uh, in, what is it? Jonah, where the horse has to sit down. Yes, yeah, he didn't always. Yeah, or a sheep will faint, or Mm -hmm. yeah, or you know, uh, pooping is a problem. Yep, there's always messes to clean up for sure. Yeah, no, so like the thing is, truthfully, the animals they're so incredibly well trained. Like they they do their jobs flawlessly almost always. And yes, of course, every once in a while you have one that misses its cue or goes to the wrong location or something like that. One of my favorite stories, so my kids are in the cast now, and this was like years and years ago. My daughter, I think, was like eight or nine at the time. And uh, the show Jonah was on stage, and there was um, a flock of birds that flew. And then in the very next scene, there was a production number of like the whole cast dancing on stage. And when she got in the car that night, I said, what was you know, what was the highlight of your day? And she started like cracking up laughing, and she goes, Mom, it was so funny. She said, a bird didn't fly where it was supposed to. And it kept coming back and just sitting on the stage. And we all came out to do this big dance number. And we didn't want the bird to get hurt. So one of our cast members, his name was Brandon. She's like, Brandon scooped this bird up and held it in his arm and did a whole dance holding this bird (laughs) until he could walk off stage and give it back to the animal team. So, yeah, there's always moments like that. And we laugh about them and move on. It's part of live theater. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's awesome. I've I've had uh, a lot of people from here go to Science Sound, obviously. So I've, I've heard stories of, like, I just stepped in poop. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's a part of it. I have to keep going. Yep. <laughs> yep. The show must go on, even in those on. moments. <laughs> so, um, to David, what is, or rather, here's a, here's a different question. What has been one of the challenge, biggest challenges in blocking? Mm. Because you have these big sets. With Joni, you have a, a giant moving boat. You mm-hmm. have uh, this gigantic whale that comes out into the audience. You have all of these incredible technologies. You have the elephant and Esther. How do you decide what is feasible yeah. versus what you can actually do? Um, great question. And if I uh, could direct you to our director of production. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He, I mean, it's truthfully, it's an ongoing conversation. I mean, as recently as like the end of last week, I was talking to him and he was just talking about how it is such a challenge. Um you know, we love technology. We love um, making things big. We love wowing people. But we always want those things to point to the story. So when they're mm. producing a new show, that becomes the core question of, like, we can't do it all. So what are the key moments that we really want to focus on? And then we'll fill in the rest of the show around that. You right. know, So when we go into a show like David, it's really easy to be like, well, Goliath. If we're going to put a ton of energy into something it's going to be Goliath Goliath. Uh, for Jesus it was like what's going to be that moment and it was walking on water we've got to get walking on water like to be to blow people's minds you know Um, for Samson it was the temple collapsing for Moses it's the Red Sea parting so most stories have a key element where it's like that's where we're going to put a lot of our time energy and resources um and then, yeah, we fill in the rest. And so there's what we we call it our production sandbox. So every time we go to produce any creative project, actually, we create what we call a sandbox. And there's four sides to that sandbox. And I'm trying to remember them now. One is budget, of course. Of course. The other one is timeline. The other one is people resources. And then the last one is just brand standards. Like we have a mm-hmm. we have a standard of we want things to be spectacular. We want them to be story driven. We want them to um, have a realistic quality to them as well. And so once we kind of establish what those sandboxes are, then we get to play within that sandbox to create the show. And so 
what we are really careful about is um, wanting to bring to be able to bring some level of consistency um, so that it's not like one show requires 30 deck crew and then the next show requires 10 deck crew. Like we have right. to, so there are some things that are in play that actually help to be a guiding light as we produce new shows. That's awesome. <coughs> Excuse me. Here's a question. Um, do you have a catalog of previous shows that you guys have done? Mm -hmm. Would you ever think that you might revisit one or update one? For, for example, Ruth is mm -hmm. quite an older uh, one of your shows. Right. Would you ever visit back and uh, do a remaster of it, <laughs> shall we say? Yes, we absolutely hope to be able to do that with some of these stories in the future. I mean, our production quality has changed dramatically over the last 20 years specifically. And, you know, part of going making the decision to go to Branson mm. um, and build another theater there, which is basically identical to the theater here, um, part of the motivation for that was going hey, we have like a warehouse of all of these shows and they're just sitting there. Um, how do we continue to spread the gospel, do what we're called to do and be wise wise stewards of this, you know, these stories that have been entrusted to us in this way. And so um, for us, it is a really big ongoing conversation around, you know, how do we steward well the resources that we have? And so shows premiere here in Lancaster, they get packed up on semi-tractor trailers, usually about 50 to 60 of them. They travel to Branson. They eventually come back here to Lancaster, and as we, you know, start to pursue new shows, what shows are next, um, some of the stories that we've done in the past are absolutely ones that are on the table to consider for the future. Yeah. That's awesome. And uh, speaking of packing up shows or, or new shows, you guys have a film. We <laughs> do. So the last couple of years of our history has been, um, it's been a like a whirlwind, to be completely honest. So... Um, to talk about films, I think I have to take like a tiny step back. So sure. two years ago, um, we got all the way up to opening day of Queen Esther and had to close because of COVID. Mm -hmm. And um, transparently, that year was a really hard year. Like we had some real heavy conversations of as, you know, a drug on and drug on and drug on of going, are we going to actually make it out of this? We're not sure. We're having this moment of, well, <laughs> this has been great. I don't know if we're going to be able to keep doing this. And um, one of our team members at the time came to us and said, hey, like, what if when we reopen Queen Esther, because so many people that were supposed to come this year can't and still won't be able to, what if we would do a live broadcast of of the show? And uh, truthfully, I always say, I'll, like, I will eat crow for the rest of my life. But I said, oh, we'll never be able to do that. That's way too big. We can't do it. Right. And, um, <laughs> and um, lo and behold, uh, about two months later, we were able to reopen we reopened at like ridiculously low capacity. So in a 2000 seat theater, we were having, we opened to crowds of like 250 people so we could allow space between parties. And um, we did a live broadcast on a streaming platform that we kind of spun up over the summer, all working from home in our basements. Um, and we did a, the, our very first live broadcast of a show. And the, it just, I don't know, the way that the Lord works is just, um, it's just miraculous because in the same way, that we lost everything through the fire, and then we were actually, when we came back, it was bigger and larger and more um, set up to be able to do the ministry we're actually more called refined. to do. It was, absolutely. And we were able to build around, um, you know, the type of theater we actually needed to do Bible stories. We had just done Noah, and so when we built again, it was like, we need to do this to be able to accommodate these types of stories. In the same exact way, it felt like in the middle of being closed during COVID, and then this, you know, first spark of an idea to do a live broadcast, 
um, it became the thing that the Lord used to start to shift everything for sight and sound in the middle of being closed and very much starting to be without hope, to be right. honest. And so we did that very first live broadcast. Um, since then, it's been two years, and the online streaming platform, we've had over um, one and a half million visitors from all around the world, over 175 different countries. And we've done several live broadcasts since then. And in that same exact moment, we really felt like the Lord had been calling us to grow, but we didn't know what it meant. Mm. And we started to feel pulled towards this idea of producing feature films because there are stories that we believe are waiting to be told um, beyond the pages of Scripture. So theaters is called to bring Bible stories to life on stage, but there are other inspiring true stories um, that we're really passionate about telling. And so um, we began in the middle of all of that producing our very first film. It was started out to be a short film. Um, but now it's coming to movie theaters nationwide this uh, December, so just in a couple of weeks. And it's called I Heard the Bells. And another part of Lancaster Bible College, uh, fun fact, our lead actor, Steve Atherholt, is a professor here at the Bible College. And it was such a really just special opportunity to have him be a part of this project. So I Heard the Bells. It's uh, Well, before we get into that, I, I want to ask, what was some of the challenges to – create because you built the theater to do theater mm -hmm. uh, film and theater while similar are very different yeah how did you guys have to set up the theater to be able to do uh, a live stream film that looked kind of like a, a well just like all the other broadway yeah. uh, stuff yeah uh, it's quite an undertaking to broadcast these shows because they are in and of themselves they're massive but we have some amazing industry partners that come in alongside of us and so we had 15 cameras for, um, you know, anywhere from 12, a dozen to 15 cameras for these live broadcasts. Uh, we work with a broadcast company that typically does sporting events and other, mm -hmm. you know, they'll do concerts and things like that sometimes. But we've been working with them for years. Um, and in the same way as we used to capture um, our shows for DVD and things like that, uh, we have had a decent amount of experience in this space. So it wasn't entirely new when we went to the live. It's just different when you're doing multiple takes and you can edit later versus like true live in you the have, moment. Yep. You have to get it right. Um, so it is quite an undertaking. It's days of rehearsals with the cameras to make sure that every shot is just right. Um, but it is, it's one of our favorite things that we do now. Like it, it, to take these shows, you know, people come to us from all over the world, yeah. but for the first time we're starting to be able to go to them. And, um, when we, so at the top of 2020, um, this is again, like another way that the Lord just works before COVID was even a word any of us knew. There was um, a plot of land that was attached to our property that came for sale, and we really felt called to purchase it. And we were kind of talking about the idea of feature films at that point in time, but we weren't sure how soon or how fast. And so um, at the end of 2020, going into 21, when we were like, no, it's really time to start producing it, that land that we had purchased um, actually became our back lot. And so we now have a re renovated barn. That's what we call our um, our story barn, which is where we have um, our, our kind of like our film's headquarters, if you will. And there's a back lot space of land that we're able to use. And that's what we were able to shift towards then um, to be able to produce I Heard the Bells. So I Heard the Bells, what is it about? So I Heard the Bells is the true story of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow and the set of circumstances that lead up to him writing the famous poem, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, which now mm. is a song that we all we all know. So he um, lived a really, um, in many ways, a wonderful life until until it wasn't. Um, 
and he experienced some incredible tragedy in the middle of the the Civil War, mm-hmm. um, losing family members, um, and um, his whole life honestly kind of fell apart. And it he as he maneuvered through that season of his life, he ended up kind of losing his faith in the process too, um, after so much loss and just so much unrest around him. And it's through. I won't. I don't want to give the whole story away because right. you got to go see it in movie theaters. But um, through a set of circumstances, um, it's the bells on Christmas morning that really come to inspire hope in him and rekindle his faith. And it's just, um, it's just an amazing story. And again, we started all of it, the idea of it, and the beginnings of a script before we even knew what the last several years were going to be. And it is a story of loss. It's a story of grief. It's a story of lost faith and lost hope. And then in the midst of tragedy, finding hope again. And I think it's a story that's going to resonate with so many people um, because of what the last several years have been. There's very few people I know that haven't lost someone or something um, through what the last few years have been. And so, um, yeah, we had a premiere just a week ago and it, for the first time had a larger group of people see it and just... The stories that have been coming out of just that first screening are astounding to me and one that we're excited to see kind of hopefully uh, grow significantly as it hits movie theaters in just a couple weeks. Yeah, so Science on Films, what uh, what is the larger uh, project for that? What is the larger uh, mission, mm-hmm. I should say, for that? Yeah, I mean, we continue to say, we've been saying it this way and I think that it works, but um, we're passionate about being able to tell stories of people whose lives or whose lives changed the world because Christ first changed them. And so we want to uh, stay in the vein of true stories, but not necessarily only have them be Bible stories. So I'm not saying we won't ever do a Bible film, but right now that's not the thing that we feel really passionate about. There are so many, you know, voices like Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, who even today, whether we realize it or not, is still affecting, you know, our society. There's so many phrases that we say, like two ships passing in the night <laughs> yeah, is go. attributed to him. And so is um, a boy's will is the wind's will. Like there's yep. just there's so many. If you Google him and like, you know, famous quotes, there's you're like, oh, that one was Henry. Oh, that one was Henry. Um, and sometimes we're just so unaware of how these powerful voices from the past are still very relevant today. And their stories are, too. And, you know, the the God's story of redemption doesn't end at the end of the Bible. Like it's Mm -hmm. continuing today and it's continued throughout history. And so we feel super passionate about just continuing to tie all of those stories together and hopefully, um, you know, inspire, inspire people in the process. That'd be, it'd be really awesome to see a film about some of the founding, uh, at least evangelical Mm -hmm. church fathers, like, uh, the Wesley Brothers, or yeah. mm-hmm. or uh, the story behind Amazing Grace, which is which has been done before, yeah, but sure, but still, yeah, there's, I mean, it's there's countless there's options. Countless. I think it's, it, it really and truthfully, is. I think it's going to be harder sometimes to narrow down stories for for the film side than it is for the Bible because there's just there's actually more of them. Um, exactly, it's 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 endless. So we're excited. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I have a few more questions to ask you, and then we're going to end off today. First off, what is worship to you? Oh my goodness, that is a great question. Um, you know, I think taking it back to what I personally have learned um, just through the process of watching David unfold on stage, um, worship to me is just living a life in full surrender to the Lord. And that is such an easy thing to say. It is a much 
harder thing to actually yeah, yes. live out. But to every day say, you know, not my will, but yours. And Lord, I trust you, even in this small thing, even in the big things. Um, but I think that that's where worship really starts to stem from. It's incredible to think that David was a man after God's own heart. And yet they are such big failures. Such big. Fa- yeah, it doesn't. Listen, it's. The difference, and we, you know, um, so my brother Ryan actually was the producer of David, and one of the most profound things that he said um, that hit him really, really in a big way was that, you know, both Saul and David um, had really big failures and similar ones in many ways. The difference between the two of them is that when they messed up, one of them ran from God and one of them ran to God, and that's the difference right there. And so, um, you know, I think... For all of us, that at least for myself, that's my hope is that even the days that I mess up, even the days that I wish I would have done things differently or, you know, spoken to my kids differently, whatever it is, that there is um, there's grace even for that. And there's forgiveness even for those moments to come back and say, shoot, I messed up. Help me make this right. And, you know, help me to continue to grow as a person and who you've called me to be. Absolutely. Because. We got to realize that we're not perfect. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely not. Yeah. Right. yeah. No, very far from it, actually. Very, very yes, quite far, at, yeah. um, some might say. Um, so going back to the Lord is always the move, no matter what you're doing. Yeah. Really. Yeah. 100%. What is one of the best pieces of advice anyone has ever given you besides going back to the Lord every, every time? Oh, my. You ask big questions here at the end. Um. Um, I'll actually, I'll do this. Some of my, the best advice that I've gotten has been from various family members who, uh, starting with my grandfather, actually, and one of his um, most impactful quotes to me anyway was just, um, allow your gifts to make way for you. I think each Mm. of us has a design inside of us that it's a God-given design and the best, absolute best thing that we can do, aside from surrendering them to the Lord is to actually cultivate them and be willing to um, be okay with what those gifts are. Like be be confident to be who who you are and also be okay with who you're not. Like don't try to be somebody else. Um, allow the, the spark of light that God put inside of you to be the thing that shines in the way that only it can shine through you. So you're absolutely right, obviously. Be yourself, it really means to... Be yourself in the context of yeah. who, who God made you to be. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how you're going to get the most happiness or fulfillment throughout mm-hmm. life anyway. Yeah, and it's actually, it's it's dishonoring of God's God, creation yeah. when we aren't honoring of what he's put inside of us. That, I think, is one of my, the biggest things that I've um, come to learn in the last several years is just um, when we're not willing, you know, it's like, don't hide your light under a bushel. Like I right. think there's a um, a piece of me that's only now in my almost, I'm not 40 yet, but almost 40, uh, that's only really coming to understand what that truly means and how honoring of the Lord it is when we allow whatever thing, whatever spark he put inside of each one of us to be the thing that we allow to come out. Here's a question. Is next year a premiere year for Sight and Sound? No, next year, 2023, we have Moses coming back to the stage, which we're super excited about. It was last on stage in 2014, and um, it's actually one of my personal favorite shows, so I'm thrilled that it's coming back to the stage next year. Are there uh, any changes to it, or is it? It'll be pretty much the same as what it was here. We always do some tweaks here and there, but for the most part, it'll be what people remember. That's awesome. 
Uh, last question. What are some of the funniest or maybe worst moments that ever happen uh, on stage? Oh, good like- question. I will tell – this is one of my own personal favorite stories from my childhood. So I will tell you that one because uh, it's the first one that came to mind. So when um, – again, back in the 80s, the shows looked very, very, very different than what they do now. And we had a Christmas show. And part of the Christmas show was we had um, this really fun musical number to – a Christmas song that had dancing Christmas trees and dancing snowmen, like basically like the the snowy scene comes to life. And mm-hmm. these um, snowmen dance across the stage in a musical number and the Christmas trees are spinning and it, it was just like so fun. But I was, I think, four years old and I had um, this big fluffy snowman costume on and a big like heavy fiberglass head. And part of what my part was is I would sit in this little tiny sleigh and my mom actually would push me out on stage and she was not dressed as a snowman. She was dressed as just a normal person. But she would sing um, that we're going on a sleigh ride while the snowman danced around and I would wave to the audience and it was very cute and endearing. While I was waiting for my scene every day, there was a, a gentleman who actually still works for us. His name is Nate. Hi, Nate, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> and he would sit backstage with me and read me stories as it was time for me to go out on stage. And one day he put my big head on big snowman head on and he's reading me stories and I fell asleep in um in the sleigh and he didn't know because I have this big head on and so when they pushed me out on stage and they're singing this song I apparently fell forward and when I fell forward the head fell off and like rolled across the stage and I was four years old and I slept through the entire scene like it was this big snowman little tiny girl head uh popping out of the big snow costume and I slept through the whole thing I never knew it (laughs) and so he was no longer Allowed to read me stories because they didn't want me to keep falling asleep on stage. <laughs> that is that is really funny. Yeah. So many, many more where those came from. But <laughs> some of our best stories are from the earliest days just because they were such unique stories to begin with. But, yeah. So be sure to go see David. It's it's uh, being played throughout the rest of the year. Yeah. David runs through New Year's Eve. And we're, we have very limited seats left. We're almost totally sold out for the rest of the year. So if you haven't seen it yet. You like have a couple of days yet probably to get your seats before there's any nothing left. And be sure to go see I Heard the Bells as well. Their mm-hmm. premiere uh, film? Uh, yes. Film yep. Out. Feature film on December 1st in movie theaters nationwide. With all that said, this has been The Story Podcast. My name is Corey Rosen. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. If you did, please be sure to like, subscribe, share with all your friends, and stay tuned for... Excuse me. <clears throat> this Saturday, we have uh, an awesome... Super awesome guest, Mr. Sam Schmithuber. And he is a Nashville recording artist from here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So I'm really excited to talk to him about his career. With all that said, I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. We'll see you guys later. Bye.